This is a, a biological drug, and the third is an enzyme replacement drug. They all showed and, and continue to show outstanding promise in the preclinical models, and some of them have moved all the way through non-human primate uh, testing and are starting to move into the clinic. Fellow Homo sapiens, today we meet the brilliant biochemist Matt Gentry, who shares with us his extensive research into the ultra-rare epilepsy, a four disease, funding challenges, his passion for and the motivation that he gets from working with families, and the brilliant work of the Lefora disease charity, Chelsea's Hope. Matt Gentry, I'm Professor and Chair of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology um, at University of Florida College of Medicine. Um, I'm a biochemist and uh, have been working on diseases that impact brain metabolism for the better part of almost 20 years now. And what led you to focus on brain metabolism? And also, like I can just say, I imagine lots of lay people think metabolism, uh, how much weight am I going to put on by eating that donut? You know, so how does that relate to an epilepsy? That's definitely a piece of the metabolic puzzle. Um, brain metabolism uh, really impacts brain health. And so, you know, you think about the calories that you eat, those calories get turned into energy. Uh, the brain, um, for its size, is a uh, over consumer of the energy and the caloric intake that we that we have. And so um, brain health includes things like your synapses firing appropriately. And if your synapses don't fire appropriately, then you're going to end up with epilepsy. And so do you have the right biomolecule in the right space within a cell uh, in order to control those synapses? And if you don't, then there are deleterious consequences to that. So tell us about your work on Lafora disease. So you're kind of a, a grand finale um, in the Lafora disease sort of a series of the podcast. Tell us about your journey with that. So yeah, Lafora's disease. I, so when I was a, a postdoctoral fellow, this was after getting my PhD at UC San Diego when I was there for about five years, um, a group at University of Toronto identified the gene uh, that causes Lafora's disease. Um, and this was Burj Manashin, um, and then a group at uh, Madrid and UCLA, Antonio Delgado Escueta and, and Jose Saratosa found the second gene. And so we, we knew the genetic cause of the disease, but then the problem becomes, okay, that's the genetic cause, what happens at the protein level? You can think of the proteins of, as kind of the engine of the cell. If the engine isn't functioning correctly, you've got to figure out what piece of the engine is broken. And so as a postdoc, my job was really to figure out um, what is going wrong at the cellular level with the hope of if we figure that out, how could we fix it? And so I started that as a postdoc. We had some great insights as both myself as a postdoc, but also as a community. Um, a number of folks from around the world started to talk about collaborating and working together. Um, and then when I started my own lab at University of Kentucky, um, myself and a patient advocacy group, uh, Chelsea's Hope, um, really uh, ran with this idea of trying to get everyone from around the world, Spain, Canada, the US, um, working together on this disease. And that's really what led to breakthroughs. What breakthroughs would you say there have been over the past 20 years? You know, the way I think about Figuring out a disease is you've got to figure out the gene uh, and then the protein. What does it do? You generate usually a mouse model 
to, or some kind of rodent model to, to study the disease. You have cellular models of the disease, and then you come up with therapeutics and transfer those then into the clinic. In our field now, we've done everything except for that last one. We've had a pretty amazing stretch of the past seven-ish years. Um, Pre-COVID, we were moving incredibly rapidly. Um, we, as a community, came up with three different disease-modifying drugs. These are disease drugs that they don't just treat the symptoms, they actually provide a potential cure for the disease. And so one was a traditional small molecule that, you know, the, the uh, traditional chemical, the other an antisense oligonucleotide. This is a, a biological drug. And the third is an enzyme replacement drug. Um, they all showed and, and continue to show outstanding um, promise in the preclinical models. And some of them have moved all the way through non-human primate uh, testing and are starting to move into the clinic. The horrifying part of this uh, story is that, you know, these kids, um, they progress fast. And they, from diagnosis at around age 15 to death around age 25. And so um, during the COVID period, uh, each of the, the biotech companies we were working with had to shelve this project. And so we've not seen transition of any of these drugs into the clinic to date, which has been uh, heartbreaking for the whole community. Yeah, because people were literally dying, I guess, over COVID. Exactly. Not because of COVID necessarily, but because of this disease. And so have things picked up again post-COVID? Um, yes and no. Uh, it's a different landscape. Um, a, a lot of medium-sized biotech companies are not willing to take forward ultra-rare diseases um, at this stage. Uh, we've heard that repeatedly, and that's not unique to Lafora. I was at a Chance Zuckerberg initiative meeting a couple weeks ago with, there were 50 different rare diseases there, groups that were uh, uh, collectively together. And it was a reoccurring theme that um, the biotech space is really tough right now regarding the rare diseases. Um, we are making, continue to make progress. You know, one of the things about a rare disease is it gives you insights into a more common disease typically. And so for Lafora's disease, we have um, made some connection to more common diseases. And we've got some data now showing that the drugs we've developed for Lafora could also benefit more common diseases. And so the, that's starting to catch the attention of the drug companies. That, well, that's something positive for us anyway. It is. And it is. What does keep you going with, you know, such a horrific disease and, you know, with such a struggle to get funding to actually take the research further? What motivates you day to day? I guess two, two things. One, just natural curiosity. I mean, I think as a scientist, that's just the, the drive to know and understand is always there. Um, on the funding front, I've been incredibly fortunate and blessed um, funding-wise. The National Institutes of Health has funded my Lafora research since 2007, I guess. Um, uh, and uh, we've received a substantial amount of, of NIH funding in order to, to keep the, the projects going. Um, and then the other piece of motivation is on the family front and and interacting with them. So I've co-organized a meeting 
um, for about the last 10 years with Chelsea's Hope. And at that meeting, it, it's, it's a unique setting that brings together basic scientists, um, the clinicians, the funding agencies show up, uh, the parents, and typically we have two to five patients as well at the meeting. Um, and so, you know, the focus is on the science and driving that forward. Um, the parents are amazingly sophisticated in terms of understanding the disease and what needs to happen scientifically. Uh, and then, you know, the, the atmosphere at the meeting is one that motivates everybody to do more, better, faster. I've heard it's like a global family with the Flora disease. It is, yeah. So, we, I mean, we j I just got back last week from a meeting in Bologna. Uh, this was the first one I didn't have to organize, which was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the team there in, in Bologna, Italy, are doing some amazing things. They had, I think, almost 30 patient families represented at the meeting. And they did a, a really unique uh, as a piece where they had uh, an afternoon that was just devoted to families and then the scientists went off and did their own thing and and had a lot of time to be able to just talk about what it's like to have to deal with this diagnosis. Uh, there was a family there that they had the, they'd gotten the diagnosis two weeks previously and so the, emo the raw emotions um, that they're going through and then uh, how do you care for these um, teenagers slash young adults well my, in my experience when it comes to rare disease, when it comes to often severe diseases of any type really it's not just about the person with the diagnosis the kid or even the adult but it's also about the families and what they go through without a doubt yeah and that's not something that i appreciated um i would say working on the disease initially you know it, 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 it as a scientist it was about understanding what the patient goes through you know developing normally until around age 12 to 15, having an epileptic episode and then going through this rapid dementia process to where around age 20 to 25, they're um, essentially like an infant again, unable to talk, unable to walk, speak. Uh, and so my focus had always been on that and then learning some of the families and, and the, the siblings that are unaffected and the, um, the guilt, the survivor guilt that they feel. I was just thinking of that. Like you hear about it in like, I don't know, accidents that might happen or plane crashes and stuff like that. But totally, I can understand that happening with the Florida disease as well. Because it's all chance, right? Exactly. And so the uh, Chelsea's Hope, the website, uh, they do, they've got some interviews with siblings now on there talking about that and how they feel. And um, uh, it's a, a dimension that I hadn't appreciated until recently. So would you um, say that Chelsea's Hope needs more funding to support the patients as well as the, the siblings, the mums and dads, and of course, the scientists doing the research? Without a doubt, yeah. I mean, rare disease um, uh, foundations, uh, it's a struggle, right? I mean, it's the, the parents, the, the, um, effect, the unaffected siblings that, that are driving those foundations and um, being able to to uh, do everything that needs to be done um, to push the science forward and to help scientists then um, advocate with the Food and Drug Administration in the US, the, the EMA in, in Europe um, uh, is also an important aspect that they 
one one thing that the Chelsea Soap recently did, which was a big effort, was getting an IDC-10 code, yeah. which now allows us to be able to track patients, um, which as a scientist, that's not something at the forefront of my mind, but is will benefit the science that... Uh, it's been done. Well, honestly, from what you've just said, you know, being involved with the families in Chelsea's Hope, it's lovely to see people such as yourself actually working with us now, rather than almost as complete separate entities, you know, in in our own little silos. I, I think it sounds like we achieve more by coming together, even if it's just for motivation. Without a doubt, you know, we've been doing this in Chelsea's Hope and Lafora's disease for a decade now. And then, you know, I guess I should mention a financial piece that has helped is the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, Rare right. is One. Um, for anyone working in a rare disease, I would highly recommend checking out the Rare is One initiative, uh, where they fund patient advocacy groups to help professionalize them and do the job that they need to do. It, it's been uh, really rewarding to be a part of that group as well. Thank you very much to Matt. What a wonderfully personal and professional insight into the work being done to improve and save the lives of people affected by what some people say is the worst epilepsy of all, Lafora disease. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.